It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA fanatic, NBA guru, Jay Smoove. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smoove, here we go. NBA Wednesday. Before we jump into our Wednesday stuff here, we do have a game with a line. We'll jump into that. We'll give you guys a free pick. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and I want to recap two of the games that concluded here on Tuesday. I want to talk about the Nets and the Suns, and also want to talk about the Lakers and the T-Wolves. Why don't we go ahead and start out with, let's start out with what happened last night that actually didn't happen last night's move. Uh, You and I, we recorded a podcast. We talked about MVP stuff. We talked about LeBron. We talked about Lowry and Lonzo Ball, and, and we gave out a pick last night, and it was actually within that Nets and Suns game. And we, we liked the Suns in that game. And we thought, you know, for good reason uh, that the Suns would actually come away with a win there. Uh, you know, unknowingly, we had no idea that Kyrie was going to end up sitting out this morning. That line went from minus two. And you and I had, had spoke. And even with Kyrie, I believe you and I pretty much came to the same conclusion that that line was going to go up. And it did. It went to minus five. And then Kyrie got ruled out. And that line didn't end up closing at minus eight. But unfortunately for the Suns there, uh, they ended up just pretty much melting down there in the fourth quarter. Brooklyn gets a 128-124 victory. Harden has a really good game, had 38 points. Also, some other contributors in that one. Joe Harris had, had a, a pretty good game as well. But I didn't particularly watch that game there. Smooth. I turned it on for about a minute, and then I ended up turning on the NHL game. I watched the Golden Knights there lose in the last 15 seconds, so I was a little upset about that. But what did you make out of that Brooklyn Suns game? You know, what the hell happened to the Suns, the fact that they melted down? I mean, they were going to, you know, pretty much win and cover that game. But I didn't see the end. What the hell happened? Yeah, Sleepy, um, from what I saw, it just was a, a clear case of a tale of two halves. They was moving the ball pretty well and playing pretty good defense. You know, they looked pretty motivated to kind of send a message. And, you know, they was knocking down their shots and they was getting good shots, you know, going up 20, you know, at halftime. One thing that I tend to notice, you know, in the NBA uh, in situations like this to where um, with the way that the pace is played and, you know, as potent as the Nets offense is, um, even, you know, without Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they still have James Harden and a bunch of uh, great shooting and, and floor spacing around them is, you know, a, a team like the Suns, you know, they just, you know, got up big and felt like the game was over. And the Nets, you know, they have a lot of veterans it looked like they just used their game to try to get some some younger guys experience and just to keep playing hard and not worry about worry about the scoreboard or the lead and you know they was able to catch a, a rhythm quick in the third quarter you know Joe Harris and Landry Shamet and Tyler Johnson hit a couple threes and they cut the 20 point lead real quick down to 11 or 12 and you know at that point in time you know the Suns you know pretty much had a, a dog fight on their hand and they just looked real stagnant in the second half and um, tried to get their, you know, rhythm back or try to get momentum back in the game uh, with Chris Paul, you know, having a real big fourth quarter. But the damage had already been done. And once James Harden entered the, entered the game back in the fourth quarter, about five and a half minutes left, you know, he made some big plays and, you know, ended up hitting the three late, you know, to take the lead. And, you know, that was a wrap on, you know, anybody that followed. Um, you know, in in the pregame forums or on Twitter, you know, with us giving out 
you know, the Suns at anywhere from minus four to minus four and a half. Yeah, I was quite surprised when I looked at the scoreboard and I actually saw that the that the Nets ended up winning that game. As I mentioned, Harden had a good game, but Chris Paul had a really good game too. And, I mean, he what do you have, like 28 or 29 points? I mean, that's a big game for Chris Paul. You know, we spoke last night, and it was one of the things that unfortunately, um, you know, we weren't able to go ahead and put out there because, you know, the software we're using for some reason went ahead and deleted all our crap. But you had some really good stuff on Chris Paul and how you – you know, how you came across, like, you know, how he just makes teams so much better. And he's been around the league, you know, with multiple teams. And you went back and you dug through a lot of stuff and you found some interesting numbers. Why don't you go ahead and share that with everybody? Because I felt that that was really valuable information. Just some really good stuff, you know, with the the Chris Paul effect. You know, I went back and and didn't dig up, you know, every year, but just some of the some of the main years that kind of like stuck out. With his his third year with uh, New Orleans, you know, when they finished second and he was the runner-up to Kobe when he won the MVP. Uh, his first year um, with the Clippers when he was uh, 26 years old, about 2011 to 2012 season. Uh, the 2017-18 Houston Rockets team that was uh, one game away from reaching the NBA Finals, you know, when he got hurt and pulled his hamstring that uh, Rockets fans still hanging on to for that one. And last year in, in OKC, you know, after OKC traded away, you know, Russell Westbrook and Paul George, they was pretty much made out to be a lottery team, but they ended up making the playoffs and uh, almost ended up winning that first-round series with Houston going seven games, and including this year uh, with, the, you know, with the Phoenix Suns. You know, they lost a big lead tonight, but, you know, they're still sitting fourth seed out west. But one of the biggest things that, you know, stuck out to me is, you know, his numbers are always going to be solid. You know, he's averaging about anywhere from 17 to 20 points a game and anywhere from eight to nine assists a game. Not that big of an outlier was his first year in New Orleans when he was averaging about 11 assists a game. But he just brings a, a lot of stability and he holds guys accountable. I think his biggest emphasis or his biggest impact on teams is, you know, the defensive end. You know, out of all these teams that I just mentioned, you know, no team was, you know, uh, below average um, when it came to defensive rating. And, you know, that's one of the one of the key things you want, you know, in your point guard position is you want a floor general, a leader, which he is. Um, Then you also want him to, you know, kind of set the tone defensively, whether that's his individual defense with keeping guys in front of him and not being caught out of position a lot, because that's going to set the tone for everybody else, you know, and he's one of the most feistiest players, you know, he's a pit bull on that end, you know, he'll guard anybody no matter his size. You know, you, you see that, you know, this year with the Suns as well, over the last five to maybe six years or so, um, even back when the Suns had Steve Nash running things, you know, they were never, you know, you never thought about the Suns on the defensive end. But this year, you know, they're, you know, a top five defensive team, you know, they rotate well. You know, they have a, a lot of guys giving a lot of good effort. And, you know, another big thing that stuck out to me is, you know, his uh, his record, you know, against the spread, you know, these five years playing with these teams, you know, they total up to you know, 70, 53, and 2 against the spread as underdogs. So covering about 55 to 56% of the time you know, over that over that span, including this year with the Suns when they've been underdogs in games, they're a six and two 
uh, covering about 75% of the time. So even, you know, they blew a loss tonight. Um, I I definitely think that that's something that he'll be in their ear, uh, you know, letting them know that they can't have situations like that anymore. But I think there's going to be a ton of value moving forward with this Suns team, you know, for the rest of the regular season and, you know, going into the playoffs outside of the Lakers. You know, I don't think there's going to be anybody that's really looking forward to matching up with them in a seven-game series. You know, I don't want to repeat a bunch of stuff that you just said, but I think the thing that sticks out to me about Paul is his knack for going ahead and just kind of just being that leader for the young guys. And when you mentioned the defense, you understand basketball far better than I do when it comes to X's and O's because you played it at a much higher level than I did. I mean, I only played really JV basketball. But I know that you know the game a whole hell of a lot better when it comes to X's and O's. And when you go from, you know, high school to college to the NBA, there's a it's it's a steep difference when it comes to, you know, X's and O's. And these players that are coming from college into the NBA, you know, it's a different it's a different type of game. It's a different way to play defense, different way to play offense. And somebody like Chris Paul, I don't know if this will ever happen, but I think he'll make, you know, a great head coach one day if that's what he decides to do. But I think he's such a great teacher for the young guys and they can grasp him, um, you know, as far as a teacher to go ahead and be able to to sit down and play defense correctly and to understand, like, this dude's putting me in the best position to be a better player. And it's only going to let me play more. And eventually um, it's probably going to end up increasing my paycheck. So why not go ahead and listen to a guy like that, who I think you and I both agree here smooth is that. If there's one thing Chris Paul certainly wants to do, it's win a title. And if somebody's willing to work to go ahead and get to, you know, winning a title, um, he's going to get the people around him to play the best that they possibly can. And they're going to benefit uh, in some way, shape or form. Uh, with that out of the way, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about the Lakers? Obviously, we talked last night and a lot of talk in the news today. Smooth was about AD being out. Uh, he was diagnosed with a calf strain. Uh, they were thinking maybe Achilles, one way or another, he's going to be out two to three weeks. Uh, we had discussed that last night, and I figured, why not just keep him out for as long as you possibly can until he's 100% healthy? I think that's going to help LeBron in the MVP conversation. And I also think that if LeBron cares about anything, maybe it is the MVP thing, but he also wants to win the title. He understands if AD gets hurt, um, they're, they're more than likely, they're not going to win a title with you know, with the, with the current team that they have, they need AD to go ahead and be out there. So I'm, I'm thinking he's going to end up probably sitting, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 games. And, and as of right now, we don't even have the second half of, of the schedule. But the Lakers played tonight, and they went ahead. They played the Wolves. They got a decent win there. I mean, the Wolves were, you know, they were undermanned. It looks like right now Russell's going to be out. I think I saw like four to six weeks. That's going to be a big hurt for them. But the Lakers did get the win tonight. From what I saw, highlight-wise, it looked like LeBron was uh, was really instrumental in that game. I didn't see any of it. I'm just curious if you did. How did LeBron look? How did that Lakers team look without AD on the floor? And and at least that team knowing the news that he's not going to be with them for, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I was able to catch a little bit of that game. And, you know, it just kind of just goes back to a little bit to what we talked about last night when we wasn't able to get the info out for the podcast. But, you know, with the news with Anthony Davis being out for, you know, a few weeks, you know, we just kind of expected for LeBron to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more assertive 
and, you know, just kind of send a message to his team and the organization to let them know that, you know, Anthony Davis might be out for a while, but, you know, I'm still the best player in the league. And, you know, he ended up with, you know, an almost a near triple-double with, you know, 30-plus points and, you know, 10-plus rebounds, 7-8 assists. And that's just LeBron. You know, there's not a defensive scheme or player or group of players that can stop him from doing whatever he wants to do once he gets in that mind and makes his decision, makes a decision to do it. And that's kind of what we saw, you know, tonight, you know, against Minnesota. And, you know, just going back to, you know, Anthony Davis's injury, you know, I don't think it's something that, you know, the Lakers, you know, want to, you know, push him to, you know, get back to, to playing, uh, playing through like he did last year. He played through a lot of knickknack injuries to kind of prove that, you know, he was, you know, mentally tough or something like that. But, you know, if, if he's a obviously he's a huge piece to their championship and not just this year, but, you know, moving forward from for years to come. So I think that they will, you know, like you said, will take it, you know, as uh, as slow and be as cautious as they can, because you can't afford to, you know, you know, risk injury, uh, you know, trying to rush him back. But I think the Lakers will be fine. As long as LeBron is out there, you know, he had, a like you said, he had a really good game, but also guys, you know, that they brought in this summer, like Dennis Schroeder and Mark Gasol and um, Montrez Harrell. And I know he was there last year, Markeith Morris is going to get some more minutes. All those guys are going to have to step up. And, you know, Schroeder, he had a nice game too, had about 24 or 25 points. But, you know, a lot of guys is going to have to, uh, you know, try to fill the void as much as they can, you know, while Davis is down and just look forward to, you know, LeBron, you know, doing more of the things he did tonight, you know, because also this is the best position he's been in, you know, to win another MVP trophy. And he might be a little bit motivated to to get that fifth one because that would tie him with Jordan. And he did mention something last year uh, about being, you know, a runner up for the MVP, but only receiving like less than three votes or something like that. So, I wouldn't doubt that that's still in his mind, too. Yeah, I think he's certainly going to look for the MVP. One of the things we talked about last night was MVP that that surrounded Donovan Mitchell, and you were telling me that the odds for him were like 80 to 90 to 1. I don't know. We, we, we kind of both scratched our heads on that. Now, obviously, the Lakers are going to try to keep pace here with Utah, but Utah's just been – I mean, that team's been tearing it up, man. I mean, they, they're like 19 and 1 their last 20 games but they've won 17 games by double digits. And I went through and I'm looking looking at some of the stats and I'm like, I didn't think they were the number one three-point shooting team in the league as far as attempts is concerned. And I'm like, let me, and I'm looking, I'm like, man, they do shoot a lot of threes. And then I'm looking at their percentage and it's, you know, number, they're number four in the league. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, if they're, if they could hit those outside shots and they're taking a bunch, that's cool. But then they started looking deeper, and they're, like, number one rebounding team in the league. I think they're, like, number three or number four offensive rebounding team in the league. And when you were, you know, grabbing a ton of offensive rebounds, especially off of – and I'm guessing a lot of that is because they shoot so many threes. If they're not making their threes, well, then they're getting a second chance to go ahead and, and score again. And that's one of the reasons why I think they're getting so much margin. But, you know, that they're hitting those shots at a high percentage. You know, we've seen teams like this before, you know, just go back to the Warriors when, you know, they had KD, Clay, and Steph, and they were just outside bombing. They were shooting, you know, 40-some percent each and every game. Like, you just couldn't beat that team. They were blowing you out. They would go on these, you know, buzzsaw kind of runs in games where 
And maybe they'd be down three, and then before you know it, it's six minutes later and they're up 18. Um, it seems like that's the way that the Jazz are playing right now. Now, the Jazz are going to end up having a game against the Clippers, and that's going to be in L.A., and then they're going to play the Clippers again. So they're going to play the Clippers on back-to-back games here. But you were telling me that it looks like Paul George is going to be out again for like his seventh straight game. Kawhi is uh, a little bit banged up. We don't have a line on this one. We don't really have to talk about the game, but you know, what have you seen overall from you know from the Jazz to just I'm I don't know if you've been following for the last three weeks move, but um, I'm pretty sure that they have your attention now. The fact that they're you know on a 19 and one run. So, what have you seen from Utah over the last you know couple of weeks? Like, what what are you making of that team right now and how they're playing? Yeah, the Jazz they're they're definitely one of the teams I've been following and playing a little bit while they've been on this streak, but. It's kind of surprising and not that much surprising because uh, the Jazz, they've been a team that's played this way, you know, for the last few years or so. But I think the difference, you know, this year compared to any of the years uh, in the past is that, you know, they've won. They've been together for a little bit and they just have better players to play the style that they want to play to. And, you know, with the rules, um, um, it's catered to how, you know, shooting the ball and being efficient. And when you look at their roster, they probably have about five or six guys that are shooting, you know, better than 35% from the three-point line. You know, just their game uh, the other day with the Sixers, you know, Jordan Clarkson, he had, you know, 40 points off the bench and he hit eight threes. And, you know, you look at a guy like Donovan Mitchell, um, his play from the bubble last year in the playoffs is carried over into this year. And you also see him being a better playmaker with the ball and um, being able to fill, you know, fill the void for Mike Conley that's missed a couple of games, you know, uh, recently. And he's actually spending, you know, slightly more time, you know, playing that point guard position. And, you know, last year they had uh, Bogdanovich, who was their second leading scorer, averaging 20 points a game. Um, he was out, you know, last year for the bubble. You see him back healthy. And, you know, he just gives them another floor spacer that can knock down shots and, you know, all over the court, they just have a, a bunch of guys that can knock down shots, and then you have a Rudy Gobert in the middle. You know, I know Shaq gives them, you know, a lot of a lot of flack for not being a a scoring dominant big man. But for what they need Rudy Gobert to do is to run the floor, challenge him, alter and block shots at the rim, and you know, go after rebounds. I think he's top three to five in rebounding, and that's why you see them, you know, leading the league in rebounding because he could you know, finish at the paint or he could clean up misses and, and, and put him back, you know, you know, really easy with him being as big as he is. But, you know, I think it's something, you know, this player will continue from the jazz. Obviously the pace will be, you know, impossible to keep up with, you know, going 18 or 19 and one in their last 20 games or so. But um, I don't think is it, this type of, you know, winning pace would, uh, you know, slow down in the regular season, but come playoff time is that's where I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of teams key in on them and a lot of people, you know, wanting to see improve it come playoff time. But for right now, I'm pretty, so I'm, I'm sold on the jazz being, you know, one of the top teams, you know, throughout the rest of this season, you know, and moving forward. Yeah. I don't think that, uh, I don't think the jazz are going to fall off too much. I think once you get into, you know, that particular rhythm, it's just hard for you to, I mean, you, when you're winning games by double digits and you're literally blowing teams out each and every night, like it's going to take 
some major steps backwards in order for that team to, you know, kind of fall off. And I just, I don't think that, that that's going to happen. I think their roster is just too good for that. And I mean, let's face it, the Jazz are, you know, the number one seed right now. They have the best record in the NBA. Uh, that's going to fuel their fire to go ahead and, and you know, get the, get to a place where, you know, that they haven't been able to get to um, in a long time. And I mean, if you go and you look at the history of the Utah Jazz, um, go back to when NJ, you know, basically tore their hearts out. Um, they want to deliver something that's that's really special for their fans. And I think that's going to be, you know, another thing that, that particularly drives that team. Um, pretty good conversation here. Just covered up some newsy stuff. So why don't we go ahead and talk about the one game that we do have a line for here. We have the Blazers. We have the Pelicans. Pelicans. Right now, uh, about a minus three-point favorite here at home, a total of 231 and a half. Now, both of these teams, they played on Tuesday night, so we're going to end up in a back-to-back situation here for both squads. Portland, they ended up getting a win, 115-104 over OKC. Uh, Damian Lillard ended up uh, having a really good game. And then the Pelicans, they had a monster win today over the Grizzly. That was actually a little bit shocking to me, 144 points pelicans put up i was a little shocked at that so i'll just go ahead and i'll give you the pick that i would probably go ahead and play i'd probably go ahead and take the over i think with these two teams defensively could be a little bit of a liability tomorrow being that they're on a back-to-back they don't particularly play defense um anyway and i think the fact that if you go through and you look at the box score from the pelicans tonight uh they put up i want to say they put up 43 point attempts but they hit 50% from outside, and we know the Blazers are going to shoot threes one way or another. So I have a feeling if these teams' legs can hold up and they particularly just lag back on defense, we're going to see a lot of threes in this one tomorrow. So I'll just go ahead. I'll play this one over. I think there's plenty of firepower, not enough defense. So I'll go ahead. I'll do that. I'll give out the over in that one. How are you feeling about that Blazers-Pelicans game? Yeah, I agree with you, Sleepy, 100%. Uh, the only player I would look to play in this matchup would be to the over. Uh, it's had a pretty good number, like you said already, uh, 230 up to 231.5 right now. But, you know, both of these teams, like you mentioned, their defense, you know, they're ranked 28th and 29th, respectfully, um, in defensive rating. And I think Steven Adams, he got a little bit banged up tonight. Uh, he probably will be questionable to play tomorrow. And he was one of the defensive pieces that they brought in in the offseason to try to uh, sure up the defense in the middle. But obviously it hasn't worked out to up until this point with them being ranked as one of the third worst defenses so far. So even if, also if he's out, you know, that's going to make the defense even worse, you know, for a guy like, you know, um, Dame Lillard, who's on a tear um, to get into the paint as much as he wants, and somebody like Carmelo Anthony as well. And, you know, if you look at Zion, you know, all of his shots, they pretty much come at the rim and nobody's able to stop him. You know, they had a five or six game stretch or so where he's averaging about close to 30 points a game and he's shooting close to over 60 percent from the field. And you also think about Brandon Ingram and just a lot of the young guys that the Pelicans have. And both teams play at a pretty respectable pace, you know, for this, you know, to be a good play for the over as well. So. The only thing that would concern me is that, you know, both teams being on the second end of a back-to-back with their third game in four days. So fatigue could possibly set in at some point in time. But with both of these defenses being as bad as they are, um, I think this will be a 
a solid play for the over. Yeah, the fatigue would be the only thing that worries me is that their legs are just a little tired and those, you know, those downtown shots are coming up a little bit short. But I feel pretty decent. I think the over is probably the only way to go in that one. Unfortunately, guys, we don't have a whole lot of lines here. Uh, we gave you the one game that did have a line. So um, we'll just go ahead and we'll wrap up the pod. We'll be back here with Smooth. We'll get some more stuff throughout the week. Um, good conversation, though, last night, Smooth. Sorry that uh, sorry that didn't pan out, my man. We had some we had some pretty solid stuff in there. Uh, maybe throughout the week, if we get some games, we'll bring up some of the subjects that, that we wanted to talk about. One of them was Kyle Lowry. One of them was Lonzo Ball. Uh, maybe we could even touch a little bit deeper because I know Smooth has some some real solid numbers on Chris Paul um, that he particularly didn't share uh, here because it is, you know, it's a little number wise. It, it's a lot of numbers, but I think you guys will even get a better picture about how important Chris Paul has been uh, to the Phoenix Suns. But we'll go ahead. We'll wrap it up. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame. That's Jay Smooth. You guys can find him at Smooth underscore 702. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your wednesday enjoy the games